I want Jesus to walk with me. Amen. Please be seated. Now, I apologize if you weren't counting on me being quite so close. Having been a chorister, sometimes I counted on this time to catch up on a little bit of sleep I missed the night before, but here we are. One of my favorite uh, theologians is Marcus Borg, and he has this wonderful story about a Theology 101 class. Now, if you're far away from college, and some of you are further than others, 101 is the first set of classes you take. And he's offering this class on the understanding of God. The fancy way of putting that is the doctrine of God, the beliefs we have about God. And the thing about college is that first-year students or freshmen are pretty sure that they've already got all the answers figured out. And so this one freshman from the back of the lecture hall raises his hands and says, well, I don't believe in God. Pretty sure that this would catch the professor out, having not thought of that question before. And Marcus Borth shouts back, tell me about the God you don't believe in. Tell me about the God you don't believe in. That's what I want us to think about this morning. I used to walk to Divinity School uh, in Boston with a friend called Casey. Casey wasn't really a recovering Catholic. He was an escapee from the Catholic Church. He was sort of on the run, ecclesiastically, you could say. And we'd have all these conversations for about 10 or 15 minutes about things. And he says, you know, I struggle with the creed. Are you familiar with what the creed is? Can anybody <clears throat> tell me here how the creed begins? You've got it. Wonderful, Hillary. Yeah, we believe. We believe. There's a lot in there that I'm not sure I do believe. So I offered to Casey, what if you turned uh, that around and simply put a question mark at the end of the creed rather than an amen? So you begin the creed with, do we believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and on you go. With each of the statements that's made in the creed, what if you turn them into a question? Well, here's for full disclosure, and I hope I don't get fired today because of this, but I've never particularly believed in the devil. You, you don't have to put your hand up either as well. That's fine. I'm glad we're, there's two of us here, so we might be okay. <laughs> Didn't grow up the devil. Church of England finds that far too impolite to talk about, to mention the devil. But I found that it's a wonderful opportunity in this part of the world to confirm the fact that actually Baptists have far more fun than Episcopalians in church. If you look at their church signs, the devil for me has often been a source of amusement, not to deride or diminish those who have a firm belief in the devil. But there's some wonderful church, and I want to share some of this with you. Often how the devil is imagined and popular imagined. This is Madison Avenue Baptist Church, New York City. Please visit us the next time in honor of this. The fact that there's a highway to hell and only a stairway to heaven says a lot about anticipated traffic numbers. I thought it was great. But this one was put up during a heat wave in Florida. Not a good thing. Jacksonville, Florida, Clay Hills Baptist Church. Whoever stole our AC units, keep one. It's hot where you're going. But I began to take the devil a bit more seriously, not that I believed in the devil. I didn't believe in the devil growing up, really, and I still don't, because I found it hard to accept the fact that there could be a being who's personified evil, who had managed to somehow abdicate, to push away, to sort of rid itself of God's love. They have to believe that God is somehow present in the devil. 
that we can't get rid of God. It's an idea that I think I can't accept. But I remember being told for the first time, what if you thought about the devil as the Bible's first theologian? Now, here's a, here's a starter for 10. Who knows what a theologian is? You got any idea? That's a difficult word. Should we test this group out here? They look, yeah. they look like they're educated. Oh, there's someone up here. Here you go, Paul. <laughs> Clever. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Very good. Yeah. It does. Excellent. It does. And then we've got one more. Logos. Do you have an idea what that is? It's a difficult one. Yeah. Pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty close. And in fact, that's fair enough. The word about God. In the beginning was the word. The Greek word for word is logos. So the word about God. The devil is the Bible's first theologian. Kind of changes the view of the devil quite a lot. And we know that from the story in Genesis. What is the first thing that the devil says to Eve? Can you remember? You can look it up if you want to. What's the first thing that the devil says to Eve? This, they know it already. I know that for sure. What's the first thing that the devil says to Eve? Do you know? Ask the question. Ask the question. Did God say, qualifying the devil as the Bible's first theologian, did God say? This is a place where it's very important where your questions and your questions and the folks online worshiping with us, your questions too are welcome. Questions are how we grow in our faith. And I want to explore three questions that the devil asked this morning that might help us deepen our own faith, the devil faith. Our devil might even catch us by surprise. Can anybody remember the first temptation of Jesus? You didn't imagine you actually have to listen to the gospel this morning, but here we go. What was that first temptation about? Yeah. Very good, yeah. He tempted Jesus to turn, maybe the devil's a she, I don't know could be maybe the devil has no gender but whoever the devil was whoever the devil is tempted Jesus to turn stone into bread why was that why would that matter to Jesus Do you remember the story what's Jesus been up to 40 days and 40 nights who's ever fasted here anybody all right okay a bit my oh there we go you ever, who's ever gone without a meal the hardest thing of your life. Tell me about it. I've been working on it. <laughs> no food. No French fries? No French fries. Even worse than no food. No Pringles? Lunch times at 10.30 is early and you're really hungry until that time. Yes. We're, we're, okay, this is where the sermon's coming off the tracks, but it's good to know. Yes, you're getting very hungry. We'll, we'll address with APS the timing of lunch, but that is an early lunch and it's difficult to go without lunch. The question that the devil is asking of Jesus is this, does God meet our needs? Now, who has ever prayed a prayer that was a little bit, what we say, frivolous, a little bit, prayed something that you thought, it's not that serious, but I really want it to happen. Anyway, ever prayed a prayer like that? Who's had a prayer? Who can tell me about a prayer that you've prayed? Anything? What have you prayed for? 
second. A sports game. Whoever prayed, for, anybody here pray for the Braves to win the World Series? You know you did. Proof that God exists that they won. There it is. Yes, what else? What anything you prayed for that was frivolous? Oh, I prayed for a marching band. You prayed for a marching band to be in it or to do well? Well, both. Both, okay. <laughs> yeah. You feel what? I laugh at it every single time. So when you're about five years old, you pray to get more Roblox. We'll have to explain that. Oh, Roblox. In Roblox. It's a complicated world. We might pray for a promotion. We might pray to meet the right person. Sometimes it's not so frivolous. And sometimes we can pray for things that are quite serious. We can pray that somebody we we love might get better. Or somebody who really needs a job to get a job. Jesus' answer offers the possibility that our God is a God that does not, is not there to meet our needs. Not perhaps to give us what we want, but that we'll be fed by something else. All right, what about the second one? What was the second temptation? Remember that Jesus left the wilderness and went to the holy city. That's a way of describing the city of Jerusalem and the temple. Paul. That's right. The pinnacle of the temple wants them to jump off a high place so that angels will catch him. It's kind of like a, the ultimate stress test of Jesus' divinity. Well, if you're really the Son of God, you can jump off and then, of course, you'll get caught. Well, if you think about it, I mean, it's like the or... That's right. That's, that was really the 50-50. Yeah, it could happen. You could get caught or you could not. <laughs> you could just fall. Thankfully, Jesus wasn't. This is good. Yes, right. Who would be stupid enough to do that? I don't know. But Jesus wasn't. But it's a serious question, a question that theologians call, here's a fancy word, theodicy. But the, real, the idea of theodicy, it's a belief about God. It's a question. How can there be a loving and powerful God in a world with so much suffering. This year was a one-year anniversary of something. Did, did anybody watch the news or catch that this week? An anniversary, very sad anniversary. Elliot. The war in Ukraine, that's right, one year. In fact, today, tonight, is the beginning of Lent for the Eastern Orthodox tradition. And it begin, begins with a, called a service called the Vespers of Forgiveness. Think about that. The people of Ukraine who have suffered so much over the past year will begin this evening their season of Lent. They don't traditionally place, some of them do, but very few. Most of them don't place ashes. Their first full day of Lent is called Clean Monday. Interestingly, it starts tomorrow. But it it begins really with a service in the night tonight called Forgiveness Vespers. And they ask for forgiveness for the wrong they have done. And they ask for forgiveness for the wrong done to them. Talking about a powerful lesson in theology. I've wondered what kind of God we have when the God is when the God we have doesn't seem to stop the missiles landing on innocent school children in Ukraine. Or think of anything else that you might study in school or we might study in history. Perhaps the God we're looking for is not a God who will stop suffering from happening. All right, last question now. 
Can anybody remember the final temptation of Jesus? The final temptation. Paul. Uh, the devil says that um, he will give Jesus everything. That's right. Takes him to a high place. Jesus bows down and worships him. He'll give him power and dominion over all the kingdoms of the earth. The third question then, is God powerful and mighty? We talk about God, almighty God. We use that in our phrases in our worship service. Is God a powerful and mighty creator of the heavens and the earth? That question has an answer in the shape of the person who is being asked that question, Jesus. Do you remember the word it uses about Jesus in the story after 40 days and nights? That he is... Remember that word, yeah? Famished. That's right, you'd already said it. Famished. What if the God that we have on offer is the God whom we see in the weakness of Jesus? Lent, this season we're now in, as the journey we make toward Easter, is a great opportunity for us to question, to ask questions of our theology. Because our theology, what's true of our theology is also true of our lives, that we would rather do anything to avoid going through a wilderness place. Wilderness places, places of suffering, and need and heartache are difficult places to walk through. And it's hard for us to believe in a God that would somehow find us there. We'd rather find a God who will meet on the road to success and power or people liking us. The invitation of land is to get under the surface. So that's my invitation to each of us not only this morning, but throughout these days of Lent, to find the God we were not looking for. I have a question for you, since you're asking us. Okay, I was right at Amen, but let's go for it. <laughs> so, if you don't believe in God, then why can't you face your inner demons? Great question. I think I face my inner demons with that same God that I find in Jesus, um, in His weakness. I find a solidarity or a companionship when I am feeling in weakness too. So I, don't, I, I face those inner demons with the God who meets me there rather than having a conclusion about the source of those demons. And with that, that wonderful question, we'll say Amen.